Hello, and welcome to episode number 12 in our weekly podcast, That's One for the History Books. I'm Marty Cohn. My good friend and co-host, you, Ryan, and I are profiling Americans who made important contributions to our country, but who have not received the popular credit that we think they deserve. Today, we're offering our listeners three heroes of the American Revolution for the price of one. That's right, Marty. Three ordinary volunteer militiamen during the American Revolution, as you say, who thwarted an act of espionage and treachery, an act that could very well have decided the American Revolution in favor of King George III. This incident occurred in 1780. It's a full year before what would be Washington's decisive victory at Yorktown. And things were not going all that well for the colonists at the time. They don't sound to me like ordinary men at all. Well, I think it's fair to say they were ordinary men, ordinary men who nonetheless pulled off an extraordinary counter-espionage coup. There were three farmers named John Paulding, David Williams, and Isaac Van Wart. They lived in a sparsely populated area of southeastern New York, about 25 miles north of New York City, along the Hudson River. They and their neighbors had formed a militia to maintain local order, to guard their families, their farms, themselves from marauding guerrillas, who were guerrilla loyalists called cowboys and colonists called skinners, who were waging a guerrilla warfare against each other over these people's farms. There was no official authority to provide security of any kind, so the people in this area were on their own. These men had little to no training, probably no training. They were not paid or equipped by Washington's army, which was itself perpetually underfunded. As you pointed out in a previous podcast on another American hero, Hyam Solomon, who provided crucial funds to Washington's army for his assault on Yorktown. So, so what were the circumstances that led to the important action these men took? On, on September 23rd, 1780, these three men had set up a lookout post near what is present-day Tarrytown. That's about halfway between the colonial fort at West Point now, of course, the site of our military academy, but then a fort, and New York City, where the British troops were garrisoned. So call it 25 miles south of West Point, 25 miles north of Manhattan Island. They were playing cards, having lunch. When they spotted a traveler coming down the road, they interdicted him. He identified himself as John Anderson. He had a British accent, so they knew that he was uh, not on the colonist side, and they decided to question him. They, had a, they ran into a lucky break. One of them uh, was wearing a coat that he had acquired when he had been a, a prisoner of the British. It was a green coat with red trim, and it was the coat worn by the Hessian mercenaries who were fighting on the side of England. So that coat led the traveler to assume that he was among friends, and so he let his guard down. And as they questioned him, he revealed that his name was not John Anderson. He was Major John Andre of the British Espionage Service. They searched him, stuffed in his boot. They found the plans for how to assault West Point successfully. The commanding general of West Point was Benedict Arnold, and he had sketched out how the British could come and take the fort, which he would then surrender. And John Andre was his courier taking these uh, plans to the British garrison in New York City. 
so they so these three guys turned Andre himself and the plans over to Washington staff. The plot was exposed, and Benedict Arnold fled to England. And the most important result of this incident was that West Point did not fall to the British. So the colonists retained that one fort. So what? Well, the so what is is the, the, the crucial location of the fort. It was on the Hudson River, which was the main north-south transportation route in the New York, New England region for soldiers and supplies, both the British and the colonists. So you have to keep in mind the condition of roads at the time. Roads were just dirt paths with deep ruts from wagons rolling over. So that made, uh, you, you know, a, a horse and wagon could only make about four to five miles an hour. So that made the rivers hugely important for transporting men and materiel. In addition to the fort at West Point, there were elaborate um, artillery emplacements guarding that stretch of the river. And there was a chain link fence across, excuse me, a chain link across the river. The links were made from wrought iron bars that had bent into the shape of links. Each link weighed about 115 pounds. The chain was 600 yards long, weighed 65 tons. It was kept on the surface of the river by floating it on log rafts. It was really an engineering marvel at the time. And the British never tested it. So this combination of the West Point Fort, the artillery emplacements, and the chain interdicted the Hudson River at West Point. It divided the British garrisons in Canada from the British garrisons in New York City. Had the Brits captured West Point, they could have brought troops down from Canada, united them with the troops in New York City, and divided the New England colonies from the Southern colonies, divide and conquer. So it's really difficult to overstate the importance of maintaining that bulwark on the Hudson at West Point. In fact, uh, Professor Cole Jones of Purdue University said, if the American patriots had lost West Point, we would have lost our independence. These three men in capturing Andre and saving West Point saved the revolution. So this little known incident involving three otherwise minor characters was nothing less than a hinge point in our fight for independence. Forgotten by history, did they receive any recognition at the time? Yes, indeed they did. They were recognized by the Continental Congress. They were each awarded hand-wrought silver medals, considered to be the first medals America ever bestowed on uh, people for combat heroism. They were also given a pension for life of $200 a year. Now, that doesn't sound like much, uh, but it was approximately the annual salary of a junior officer in the colonial army. So it was not an insignificant sum at the time. And there was a monument uh, at the location of where they captured Andre uh, erected in their memory. Wait, the, the, those medals, are, are they mm -hmm. on display anywhere? Well, one is, or at least it will be in autumn of this coming autumn, autumn 2023. It will be on display at the New York State Museum in Albany. The other two, regrettably, were stolen from the New York Historical Society in 1975 and have never been recovered. My hope, of course, is that some descendant of the thief at some point will turn the medals in to a museum or historical society. So I, I know that Benedict Arnold escaped American justice by fleeing to England. What was Major John Andre's fate? Well, he suffered the typical fate of a spy. He was hanged. 
Well, fate was smiling on those fighting for American independence that autumn afternoon in Tarrytown, New York, to the endearing benefit of our country and our people. Thanks for listening to this edition of That's One for the History Books. The music, Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I'm Marty Cohn with my co-host, you Ryan. Stay healthy.